0: On the 26th of January, 2013, a 21-year-old Canadian student arrived in Los Angeles, traveling by Amtrak train from San Diego and was heading to Santa Cruz as part of her solo trip around the west coast. This trip helped her get away from her studies at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, which is where she was originally from. Now, she wanted to travel alone, however, at the time, her parents were not on board and were very cautious. As a result of this, she promised to keep in contact with her parents every day to let them know that she was safe. However, five days later, she was due to check out of the Cecil Hotel, as her parents never heard from their daughter on the 31st of January. After the police were involved, they took surveillance footage taken from the cameras at the Cecil Hotel. And this is where things started to take a very strange and bizarre turn. In today's episode, we will be discussing the mysterious but puzzling death of Elisa Lam at the Cecil Hotel. Hey, I'm your host, Benjamin Bryan, and you're listening to Peaced. The Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, California is well known not for its nearly 100 year history or its gorgeous lobby, but for the numerous catastrophes and fatalities that have occurred there. According to Esquire, it was dubbed America's Hotel Death. The hotel has undergone numerous renovations throughout the years, but it reopened in December of 2021 as Hotel Cecil Apartments a low-income housing project in collaboration with the Skid Row Housing Trust. This hotel has had a history that is linked with crime from notorious killers, suicides, prostitutes, missing persons report, overdoses, amongst other things like drug dealers, rapists, and murderers. Loy Lester Smith designed the Cecil Hotel, which was built by William Banks Hanna. According to the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, it cost over $1 million to build back then which would be over $21.2 million now. The 14 storey, 700 room structure on Main Street in Los Angeles, California, between 6th and 7th Street, was designed to be a luxurious destination for international merchants and middle class tourists. However, when the Great Depression struck in 1929, the hotel's fortunes fell, It rented out affordable rooms for both short and long-term stays, and residents had single rooms but shared toilets with other guests in this unique, hostel-style layout. The Cecil's low-cost accommodation combined with its proximity to Skid Row gained it a reputation as a haven for sex workers, people down on their luck, and criminals. At least six suicides were documented at the Cecil Hotel. In the 1930s alone, some took poison while others shot themselves, stabbed their own throats and jumped out of their bedroom windows. Army Sergeant Louise Borden, for example, slit his throat with a razor in 1934. Roy Thompson of the Marine Corps jumped from the top of the Cecil Hotel and was discovered on a skylight of a nearby building less than four years later. The following decades saw an increase in violent deaths. While natural disasters and suicides have contributed significantly to the hotel's death toll, the Cecil Hotel has served as a temporary residence for some of America's most shocking murders. During much of his horrifying killing spree in the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez, popularly known as the Night Stalker, stayed in a room on the top floor of the hotel. After killing someone, He'd discard his bloodied garments in the Cecil Hotel's dumpster, and walked into the hotel lobby completely naked or sometimes even in his underwear, none of which would have raised an eyebrow, says journalist Josh Dean, since the Cecil in the 1980s was absolute unmitigated chaos. Not just that, but in 1991, the hotel was also home to an Austrian serial killer, Jack Uteweger, who strangled prostitutes with their own clothing. According to rumours, he chose the hotel because of its ties to Richard Ramirez. Because prostitutes frequented the neighbourhood around the Cecil Hotel, Utevega stalked the area repeatedly in search of victims. Utevega even claimed to have dated one of the prostitutes he is suspected of killing, who vanished just down the street from the hotel. While some of the incidents of violence in and around the Cecil Hotel may be tracked back to recognised serial killers, others remain unexplained. To name just one example, Goldie Osgood, a local woman well known in the region, was discovered dead in her ransacked Cecil room. She had been raped before stabbed and beaten to death, even though one suspect was discovered roaming around with blood-stained clothing nearby. He was eventually cleared and her killer was never prosecuted. Yet another unsolved case of terrible violence at the Cecil Hotel. Such violent stories aren't just a stuff of the past. Several decades after Elizabeth Short's death, one of the most puzzling deaths ever to occur at the Cecil Hotel, occurred in 2013. Elisa Lam, a Canadian college student, was discovered dead three weeks after going missing within the hotel's water tank on the roof. After the hotel guests complained about low water pressure and a strange taste in the water, her naked body was discovered. Even though officials considered her death an accidental drowning, critics believed otherwise. So, Elisa Lam was born on the 30th of April, 1991. Lam's family moved to Burnaby, British Columbia, and founded a restaurant. She was a 21-year-old student at the University of British Columbia. She liked the idea of blogging, as she started another blogging page, which mainly consisted of photos and quotes related to fashion, with some being Lam's own quotes, which were on Tumblr at the time she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, and she had been prescribed certain medication for her mental health issues. Now, Elisa Lam wanted to travel to Los Angeles, so on January the 26th, 2013, she did just that, traveling up by Amtrak, staying at the Cecil Hotel, popularly known as Stay on Main, which is in downtown Los Angeles. Now, this hotel has a pretty shady past, however, On January the 31st, 2013, a video of Lam acting abnormally in a hotel elevator was released on February the 13th as part of the police investigation. This video quickly became a viral hit. David and Yina Lam, her parents, who had been in contact with their daughter, daily, swiftly reported her missing and Elisa Lam's possessions had been left in her room, including her wallet, ID, and laptop. The police issued a public call for help and posted a video of Alisa Lam, who was dressed in a red sweatshirt inside a hotel elevator. She clicks several buttons, looks out of the elevator, walks back into a corner, steps outside the elevator and waves her hand around in this clip that was released. The video went viral like we previously mentioned, generating a lot of attention and curiosity about the case. According to one idea, theories believed that Lam was playing the Korean elevator game in which hitting elevator buttons in a precise rhythm is said to open a portal to another dimension. In the video she punches a few buttons and appears to be hiding in the elevator's corner, poking her head out and even stepping into the hallway. She then re-enters the elevator, punching a few more buttons before exiting once more, pointing and moving her hands and arms around in a strange and trance-like manner. She finally steps out of the elevator for good and walks down the hallway. It was the last time elisa Lam was seen alive and because of her odd character the surveillance footage has become an important part to lam's case not only that but the conspiracy theories that have surrounded it as well lam's behavior in the video is odd but that isn't the only thing others feel the camera was tampered with claiming that the video was sped up in some places and that the timestamp was concealed in others But there are a few unsolved and unanswered questions as well. I mean, why did the hotel doors remain open for so long, despite Lam apparently pressing a number of buttons in an attempt to move the elevator? Was Lam having a conversation with someone who was not visible to the camera? Or was she having a hallucination? What transpired after the events of the video that led to Lam's death in a water tank? And what happened after that? We don't know. We most likely won't know. I don't think we will get an answer for all of the questions, however, there is a theory that it is believed that Elisa Lam was pressing the hold button when she re-entered the elevator, therefore holding the elevator for 2 minutes, according to sources. But you have to take into consideration at this time if, if you're having a mental breakdown or worrying, stressing about an issue, then Elisa Lam may have not realised she pressed those buttons as she may have been distracted or not paying attention. So, now that the case is progressing, maintenance worker Santiago Lopez discovered Elisa Lamb's body floating in one of the hotel's water tanks on February the 19th, 2013, two weeks after authorities released the footage. Lopez discovered the problem after responding to hotel's guests' complaints about poor water pressure and a strange flavour in the tap water. The tank in which Lamb's body was discovered had to be drained fully and then cut open from the side to retrieve her body. According to a statement from the Los Angeles Fire Department, nobody knows how Lamb's body ended up in the hotel's water tank, floating lifeless next to the exact clothes she wore in the CCTV video, or if anyone else might have been involved. The hotel staff told authorities that Lamb was always seen by herself around the hotel premises. As mentioned earlier, Elisa Lamb is seen entering the elevator wearing a red hoodie, black shorts, and sandals. Again, this is the identical outfit that were discovered in a water tank on the hotel's roof, along with Lamb's body just days after the video was posted, and her death was ultimately judged to be the result of unintentional drowning. However, the circumstances surrounding her death remain unknown. Following the findings of Lamb's body, the inquiry into her death resumed. Only hotel staff were supposed to have access to the roof, as an inside stairwell to the roof had a locked door with an alarm that was claimed to be functional and should have notified workers if it was unlocked. The roof was also accessible through at least one fire escape. The coroner determined Lam drowned by accident after investigating more. Her body showed no signs of physical damage, and no substances that could have led to her death were discovered in her system. Now, Lamb's bipolar disorder was cited in the coroner's report as a serious factor that contributed to her death. The main investigator from the case gave a deposition because of Lamb's parents' lawsuit against a hotel. In my opinion, she went off her medicine, and in her state, she found her way onto the roof and into the water tank, Detective Wallace Tennelly said. The investigator also stated in the deposition... My colleague and I tried to figure out how someone could have put her in there without leaving prints, DNA, or anything like that. And it's tough for someone to do that without leaving prints, DNAs, or anything. As a result, she climbed in by herself. Now, coming back to the autopsy report. So, when the autopsy results in Lam's case were released, it just added to the confusion. So, Lam had consumed a number of medicines, most likely medication for her bipolar disorder, according to the toxicology report. Her body, however, showed no signs of alcohol or illegal substances. Investigators began going through any evidence they could discover soon after the toxicology report was released in the hopes of unraveling the mystery surrounding Elisa Lam's death. Now, a Reddit sleuth with a clear interest in medicine, for example, uploaded a summary of Lam's toxicology report online. The breakdown pointed out three key observations. Number one, Elisa Lam took at least one antidepressant that day. Number two, Elisa Lam had taken her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not that day. And lastly, she had not taken her antipsychotic recently. So these findings revealed that Lam, who was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, may or may not have been taking her medication. It's an essential fact to keep in mind because using antidepressants to treat bipolar disorder can lead to manic side effects if done improperly. This small piece of information has piqued the interest of several sleuths who have speculated that could be the case of Lam's unusual conduct in the elevator. Amy Price, the hotel manager, testified in court in favor of this notion. Price said that Lam was originally booked in a hostel-style shared room with others during her stay at the Cecil Hotel. Lam was relocated to a private room by herself after her housemates complained about her strange conduct. The evidence that was analysed during the autopsy revealed no evidence of foul play. However, the coroner's office stated that they were unable to conduct a thorough study since the blood from Lam's decomposing body could not be examined. Several months after their daughter's death, David and Yina Lam filed a wrongful death action against the Cecil Hotel. The hotel had a duty to inspect and seek out risks in the hotel that constituted an undue risk of danger to Elisa Lam and other hotel guests, according to the Lam's attorney. The hotel fought back by filing a motion to dismiss the lawsuit. The hotel's lawyers claimed that there was no reason to believe that someone could gain access to one of their water tanks. So according to a court testimony from the hotel's maintenance personnel, the first person to uncover Lamb's body, Santiago Lopez, detailed the amount of work he had to put in just to find her. Lopez claimed to have taken the hotel's elevator to the 15th floor before ascending the stairwell to the roof. He then had to switch off the rooftop alarm and walk onto the platform that housed the hotel's four water tanks. To get to the top of the main tank, he had to ascend another ladder. After all of that, he saw something strange. According to Lopez, I saw the entrance to the main water tank was open and looked inside and saw an Asian woman lying face up in the water about 12 inches from the top of the tank. According to Lopez's evidence, getting to the top of the water tank on her own would have been impossible for Elisa Lam, at the very least, not without being noticed. Pedro Tovar, the hotel's chief engineer, also stated that Accessing the rooftop, where the hotel's water tanks were located, without setting off the alarm, would be impossible. Only hotel staff would be able to properly deactivate the alarm. The sound of the alarm would reach the front desk, as well as the entire top two floors of the hotel, if it was triggered. The lawsuit was dismissed after Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Howard Holm decided that Elisa Lam's death was unforeseeable since it occurred in an area that guests were not permitted to enter. Although the investigation may be closed, I'm not sure if I would class the case as being solved, as there are some bizarre parts to the case and many unanswered questions. A reconstruction of Lamb's death reveals some puzzling aspects. Lamb would have needed to get to the hotel roof unobserved, perhaps through a locked and alarmed entrance or a fire escape on the side of the building, to enter the water tank on her own, She would then have needed to scale a 10-foot ladder on the tank's edge after clambering onto the water tank platform. Before entering, she would have had to open a large water tank lid, and evidently undressed at some point since, when she was found, her corpse was naked, and her clothes were in the tank with her. With this case, I think it's very hard to pinpoint the responsibility because there are so many factors, although each party can blame each other, we wouldn't end up getting anywhere. Alisa Lam could have experienced some issues which ended up leading to the accidental and tragic death of Alisa Lam. Even if the alarms were working or not, the employees and managers working at the Cecil Hotel are not going to think someone is up on their roof, let alone their water tank. The only reason they managed to find Alisa Lam was due to everyone complaining that there was an odd taste to the water and that there was an issue with the water pressure. Though the investigation is closed, I must agree that it is fascinating and odd at the same time. However, the medical examiners had labelled her cause of death as undetermined until three days before the autopsy report was published, when they altered it to accidental, according to the wiki. Physical restlessness, a strong desire to increase activities, and an inflated belief in your skills are just a few of the key signs of mania. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, Elisa would have had access to the water tank from the fire escape. Her mania symptoms such as impulsivity, heightened powers and hallucinations would have caused her to crawl into the tank and close the lid. Who knows what she was thinking about or dreaming about as she climbed inside that tank and shut it. There are a lot of unanswered questions and I think there always will be unanswered questions especially around this case and given the mystery behind it despite the case being solved. It was a tragedy for what Elisa Lam had to go through. In that time when she could have been having hallucinations and or even mental health issues, it would certainly have a bad effect on Alisa Lam, and even so with the elevator video. With Lam pressing the buttons and constantly checking the hallway to see why the doors were not closing, or whether she was playing the Korean elevator game or whether Lam had a mental breakdown, or whether even the Seesaw Hotel is hiding something, regardless. It's been around 9 years since Alisa Lam was found in the water tank on the roof of the Cecil Hotel. Elisa Lam's death was a tragedy, despite the mystery around it. That's all for episode 5 about Elisa Lam and the Cecil Hotel. Please make sure to leave a review or share it with someone you know who may be interested in true crime, mysteries and much more. And don't forget to follow our social media, which is Peaced Pod on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok for other types of content. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care, and I'll see you next month for another episode of Peaced.